the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Love. Courage. Truth. Glenn Beck. Australia may soon be welcoming a lot of new neighbors, the white South African farmers. Oh my gosh, of course they're welcoming the white people. The African National Congress Party in South Africa has now proposed a constitutional amendment to take white-owned farms and to redistribute the wealth to the black citizens without any compensation to the landowners. Potentially thousands of white South Africans can find themselves now looking for new homes, new land, and new jobs. Peter Dutton oversees the uh, immigrationists. Uh, Australia's home affairs minister. He says Australia should grant emergency visas to white farmers from South Africa that would allow them to resettle in Australia on humanitarian grounds. He says um, we should do this as a civilized country. And he took heat in Australia and South Africa for saying that the farmers needed protection in a civilized country. Oh my gosh, civilized country. What is he saying? A spokesman for South Africa's foreign ministry called Dutton's remarks regrettable, adding there is no reason for any government anywhere in the world to suspect that any South African is in danger from their own democratically elected government. That threat just doesn't exist. Really? Because usually when whenever this has happened before, the threat does exist. Wouldn't we be saying exactly the opposite if it was white people taking the land from black people, wouldn't we be saying the opposite? Whenever a government denies something like this, th- that usually means, yes, the threat is there. As in many parts of the world, immigration is a hot-button topic in Australia. Thousands of immigrants, mostly Muslims from the Middle East and Southeast Asia, are being held offshore in detention facilities because of an Australian policy that denies asylum seekers who reach Australia by boat. And people think that we are. So, oh my gosh, look how bad the United States is. Every other country just lets people pour in. Apparently not. Dutton is accused of using race as a political tool because he supports the offshore detention facilities and because he also blamed the rising crime in Melbourne on African immigrant gangs. Well, are there African immigrant gangs that have been doing things? Because if there are, I think we could just... Isn't this a math problem? Not a race problem? In an interview with the Sydney Daily Telegraph, Dutton said, we want our people who come here, listen to this, we want people who will come here to abide by our laws, integrate into our society, work hard, and not lead a life on welfare, end quote. Sounds kind of like what everybody wants, isn't it? South Africa seems determined to try to uh, correct decades of injustice with more injustice and create a new homeless class of white farmers. So what's wrong with Australia rolling out the welcome mat for those outcasts? Well, apparently plenty, plenty for all of the world's progress. It never ceases to amaze how much we are still hung up 
on race. It's Friday, March 16th. This is the Glenn Beck Program. And it really is. That's the crazy thing. It really is Friday, March 16th, and this is the Glenn Beck Program. And welcome to our executive producer, Mr. Stu Bergeer. Hello, Stu. Hello, Glenn. How are you? Oh, my. Oh, my. I'm good. Things are good. Oh, my gosh. They're good. Going well. Yes. Unless, unless you're somebody who happened to be at a stoplight underneath a bridge in Florida yesterday, mm. or you happen to be the uh, the people who released this this press uh, release. This method of construction reduces potential risks to workers, commuters, and pedestrians, and minimizes traffic interruptions. The main span of the Sweetwater University City Bridge was installed with just a few hours with limited disruption to traffic over the weekend. The Sweetwater University City Bridge is the largest pedestrian bridge, moved via self-propelled modular transportation in U.S. history. It is also the first in the world to be constructed entirely of self-cleaning concrete. When exposed to sunlight, the titanium dioxide in the concrete captures the pollutants and turns it bright white, reducing maintenance costs. Funding for the $14.2 million bridge connecting plazas and walkways is part of a $19.4 million transportation investment generating economic recovery, a TIGER grant, from the U.S. Department of Transportation. Now, can I ask you a question? We've just spent $14.2 million of my money and your money on a bridge, a pedestrian bridge in Florida, all this brand new technology, and it's gonna it's gonna be great. And it was for five whole days. What happened? Who's gonna be held responsible? And what do we learn from this? Well, what the left learned was that uh, Donald Trump, uh, who has not does not care about our infrastructure. Uh. Um, has abandoned it and will not. Uh, he's you know because all these tax cuts. Yeah, well, it's crumbling uh, infra- infrastructure. Crumbling infrastructure. This was really this was five whole days old. <laughs> right. <laughs> of course, they didn't realize that it had just been installed five days ago and was a an example of us spending millions of dollars on infrastructure no, let's, let's, let's and the latest technology. Let's just be specific. Nineteen point four million dollar taxpayer federal taxpayer money went down to Sweetwater, 14.2 went to build this bridge. And this is separate from the tragedy, which is obviously really bad. Six people died, and it could be worse. Um, You know, it's a really bad event. Separate from that, how can we say that we don't have enough money for our infrastructure when we're spending $19 million on a pedestrian bridge? Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying that. How is it we're talking about crumbling infrastructure and we're spending 14 million dollars to build a high-tech pedestrian bridge that i want to quote the i want to quote the press release construction of the bridge began in 2017 expected to be completed early 2019 when finished the bridge will be 298 feet long 109 feet tall and the 32 foot wide bridge will serve as a study and gathering place that doesn't seem like critical infrastructure. 
Is that critical infrastructure that we have another study and gathering place? It made it easier for the university, to, for the, you know, students to get to the town instead of having to deal with the streets, which again, is it's not that it's an invalid project. It's, there's no reason for uh, the United States federal government to be funding a project like that. If you want that project, Florida, pay for it yourself, period. There's no reason. It, this is constant. And they ask, they act as if we need another trillion dollars on infrastructure. This does not prove this. It's the opposite. And, you know, I, you look at this, you know, Florida International is a is like the head of this type of, uh, of, of construction. It's called accelerated bridge construction. Mm-hmm. And it's a new method where they basically build the bridge on the side of the road instead of, you know, interrupting traffic the whole time and then put it on wheels and wheel the thing into place. I mean, it's an amazing. It's a great thing. idea. And it's a great thing and, and probably will be eventually uh the, you know a, a way that we do these things more efficiently it you know, obviously this big first test of it did not go well yeah however. so we shouldn't be testing things over roads i mean just uh, that's, that's to me <laughs> well we shouldn't be testing things no 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 you said the first big test well there should be lots of tests of this <laughs> i'm sorry I, it's not like they just came up with the idea last week like i don't know let's wheel it over the street well they They've obviously didn't for, te- they obviously didn't test it enough i mean i right, know people I, who are literally dying of cancer and if it if it if it causes any kind of problems, no, 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 we can't. No, we can't do that. <laughs> you might have the heartbreak of psoriasis. You might have that just horrible heartbreak as you're dying with cancer. We can't do that. We don't know if it's we don't know if it's safe. Uh, what was the testing of this like? I mean, it's five a- days it's a, well it's apparently a no i mean they've been testing it for years no this, i know that but it lasted five right. days yeah i guess what they you know from what i've read about it and, and i cannot say that i walk into today as an expert on accelerated bridge construction yes i but agree I, I think you know as everyone does when something like this happens everyone becomes a 24-hour expert on mm-hmm. accelerated bridge construction uh and it does seem like you know it takes a lot of precision and mm. if one little thing goes wrong in that mm. process, mm. you can have a, a situation like huh. this. Obviously, they didn't think they were going to get anything wrong. And this this uh, company that is, uh, you know, responsible for the building and and you know checking, making sure all the monitoring was going correctly, mm-hmm. very politically connected in Florida. So now, no, wait, yeah, all of their, wait, what? This is not a pretty story. Hmm. I will say that. Um, But again, it has nothing to do. All the people that you're going to see on your social media feeds today that tell you this is a, this is proof that Donald Trump didn't do his job with infrastructure. It's ridiculous. And beyond that, he's the guy who wants to spend all the money on infrastructure. That's right. It wasn't critical infrastructure. It was a brand new bridge. What do you say? If we're, you'll never say it. You people will, you, you, you political driven people on the left in this particular case will, will make this all about our crumbling infrastructure. We've got to spend more money. Donald Trump wants to spend twice as much as Obama did. You will never talk about how this is not critical infrastructure. This was a gift to a university. When are the universities going to start paying their own way? 
When are the universities going to start giving back? You want to talk about universities? We lived in, in New Haven, Connecticut. The infrastructure of, of New Haven is crumbling while Yale just keeps pouring money in. When are these guys going to pay taxes? Oh, no. Churches should pay taxes, but not universities with their billions of dollars. This wasn't critical infrastructure. You can complain to me about critical infrastructure crumbling, which it is, which it is in some areas. You can do that when it is critical infrastructure and it was crumbling because it was there longer than five days. It may be one of those days today because next I want to I want to tell you about the first illegal immigrant appointed appointed to state office in California. <laughs> we'll do that in a second. Can you imagine taking a car on a 100-day test drive or getting a pair of shoes and being able to walk around for 100 days, see if they really are comfortable? Well, that is exactly what Casper Mattress wants to do. Sleep on their mattress for 100 nights. It's the 100-night sleep challenge. You'll do it, and you will know, is this the right mattress for me? It is for me and my wife. We sleep on it every night, and we love it. It's Casper Mattress, unique combination of foams that provide the right pressure relief and alignment so you feel perfectly balanced and comfortable, and it ships free right to your door in a little teeny box. And if you don't love it, all you have to do is just call them, and they come and pick it up so and refund every single penny. So there's nothing to worry about, no questions asked. They just want you to try it, and if you don't love it, then you can find another mattress, but the next time you try a mattress, you're going to be you're going to be in the same problem. You're going to be just laying in a store this time and only having about 20 minutes to roll around in it to see if you like it. 100 nights. Try it for 100 nights in your own home. I think you're going to love it. It's casper.com. Use the promo code BECK. You'll save $50 on select mattresses. It's promo code BECK at casper.com. Terms and conditions do apply. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. Hello. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. Let me go to Patrick in Colorado. Hello, Patrick. You're on the Glenn Beck program. Hey, Glenn. Uh, Long-time listener. Big fan. Thank you. And if I could quickly say uh, we need more stew. Thank you. That's what America is demanding. And finally, someone's the kind that you get out of a can. But anyway, go ahead. (laughs) So I just wanted to go over the idea of inspections and county and state inspectors. I've been in the construction industry most of my life, and we're often taught that the inspector is there to make things uh, safe. But the fact of the matter is, the big joke in construction is that if you wash out in the industry, become an inspector. Yeah, well, it, it, <laughs> wow. I think that is the I think that is the joke in every industry. So, furthermore, you know, just a quick instance. I built my own house about two years ago. You know, and I had to pay an engineer to design the concrete foundation, and the planning department had to approve it, and then the building department had to uh, approve it. 
And the engineer missed a really big part of the job. And it was me and the other contractor that I hired to do the concrete that actually caught it. And the two of us are standing there scratching our heads, looking at each other, thinking, I paid thousands of dollars to this engineer. And then the planning department and the building department both had to approve everything and stamp off on it. And if we built it the way that they designed it, we would have had some problems on the house. Now, we fixed it. But the idea that you have safety or security because the county or state government is involved, I mean, I think most of your audience knows that that's kind of laughable. Yeah. So wait a minute. So hang on just a second. So did you have to go back when you caught it? <laughs> did you have to go back and have the plans reapproved or did you just fix it? Did you just do it? Oh, we just fixed it. I mean, it took <laughs> us two hours and a shovel and some rebar to fix it. But you know, they would want us to do that, but we skip it all the time. Let me give you another, for instance, I don't want to take up too much time. We get given the ideas by magazines all the time. People are like, oh, I want it to look like this. And we say, that's great. We can make it look like that, but it's illegal. So they say, well, what do we do? Well, it's easy. So we go through and we install a standard handrail that looks normal and passes inspection. Mm -hmm. And the inspector walks out the door, we rip it out, and then we put in the nice metal one that looks like branches and leaves that's all artsy and cute and oh you're oh geez oh my gosh the inspector's got him okay he's back go ahead yeah well and the fact is they don't care they have to sign off that yes when we showed up it was the way we wanted but you can change it however you want the next day they don't have the time or the resources or the and so and so this is the problem this is the problem this is why gun control and drug wars and everything else don't work. Because if the people want to do it, they will find a way to get it done. And mm-hmm. the and the inspection process is usually just a joke. It is. It was just. I mean, I've had great inspectors on projects that we have done, uh, and the you know the city has come in and and looked at things. I've also had pain in the ass. Don't have any idea. They just are. They're either marking time, or you know, it's like the uh, it's like the you know the parking lot cop that is in a you know a rented outfit that thinks he's got all of the power in the world and wants to let you know I have all the power in the world. Well, and Glenn, it, it even gets worse than that because right now in Mesa County, like we had a, a bad year or two as far as enough money for the county. So what did they do? They got rid of a couple inspectors. So now the guys that they have left have to do more inspections, even more quickly. And these guys, and I'm not even kidding you, I've been on job sites, and this is when I was younger, before I was running any kind of job site. I've seen inspectors not get out of their truck. They drive up, a six-pack of beer is walked out to the guy, and they sign off on the thing without even getting out of their truck and looking at it. And that stuff still happens. And I hate to say it, but it happens because that's the way that we can make the process quick and painless for our customer and ourselves. Mm. So let's keep our mouth shut on that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how many beers, however, I don't have, I don't know how many beers were walked over for the, uh, the bridge, you know, but when it comes to, when it comes to something like that, when it comes to a, a, a serious issue, we, we, we need the inspectors, and they need to be clean, and they need to do their job. By the way, for a six-pack of beer, I can get any of your calls on the air. Just uh, <laughs> set it up with me. Uh, I'm sorry. This reminds me, though. For a bottle of Jack Daniels, <laughs> I'll give you the show. Uh, this reminds me of uh, last summer uh, in Toronto, and this is a Canadian story, but it applies, I think, here. 
which is they were going to to make uh, a new set of stairs to go down a, a decline for sixty five to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars was oh, yeah, the cost. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and just a guy in the neighborhood got sick of it and and decided he just walked up there one day, just started building stairs, built a nice set of stairs for five hundred and fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what happened? The next day, they came in and tore with power out. tools and tore the stairs. Tore down. the stairs out. Um, they five, said they said they can't. We cannot allow just the average citizen <laughs> to build stairs. Why? He just saved you a hundred grand. <laughs> Check them out. You know, yeah. if you think measure them and go, yeah. huh? <laughs> but I mean, why not set and take the extra hundred fifty thousand dollars of savings? And go buy yourself all the beer you want, there as you far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Just leave us alone. Glenn Beck, Mercury. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. A Rockland High School teacher. This is in uh, Rockland, California, has been placed on administrative leave due to several complaints from parents and students involving the teacher's communications regarding the student-led civic engagement activities. Now, here's, here's what happened. In California, you know, you can do whatever you want. It's, I mean, illegal aliens smoking pot while having sex with underage children as long as they're sa- as long as they're wearing a T-shirt that says Gavin Newsom for governor, you're okay. That's a law. That's actually <laughs> the way it's written too. <laughs> Some would have said that was extremist, but <laughs> no, no, that's, that's, that's actually the, the actual law. law. But uh, so, but however, if you disagree, if you disagree that somebody should be allowed to march out of class against the Second Amendment. You don't have a right to a First Amendment for that opinion. Mm -hmm. Okay? So here's what the teacher said. Look, I just want to know if we are doing these things. She set out a a memo, uh, and she said, you know, it's it's an example uh, of consistency. Quote, if a group of students nationwide or even locally decided, I want to walk out of school for 17 minutes and go into the quad area to protest abortion, would that be allowed by our administration? And you shall not question. And uh, she's been put on administrative leave because she can't ask that question. That's amazing. I mean, because I, I could tell you this. There's a scientific consensus here. If all gun violence continues uh, and uh, you're still going to wind up with a lot more people alive if you got rid of the uh, abortion the other way. A lot more abortions. Yeah, than you hand everybody dying. in America a gun. There still will be more abortions. More people killed yeah. by abortions. Yeah. When you, if you get rid of abortion, you're going to have a lot more people alive. Than if you get rid of gun violence. So, and she wasn't advocating for pro life. She's just saying, I'm yeah. wondering if this is equal. Both of them are about <laughs> constitutional rights. How do you test a statement, right? You bring up the opposite side. You bring up, and it may be sometimes even an you extreme. You question us. You will not say the other. There is no other side. Fräulein. No other side. It's true. That is, is really the... T- that's what they want, is there is no way to test it. 
because if you test it, then you find the logic of their statement to be incorrect. There is, I'm telling you, there is a movement. There's an underground movement. And there's a possibility that it actually stems from the belly of the beast, that it actually comes out of California. And on the Pacific side, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking of the, um, oh, what's the, what's the evolutionist uh, guy that we've been talking about? Weinstein, um, a biological uh, evolutionist from, from uh, what is it, Evergreen University, which is, is, I mean, really makes Berkeley look like Beck University. Uh, and, and he's, he said, I can't work there anymore. My wife and I, both evolutionary biologists cannot, or uh, scientists cannot work there anymore because they've just unpegged for science, science and, and, and any kind of reason doesn't exist anymore. She's using reason. This is something that has been lost. She's using reason, which is what we're supposed to be teaching our children. Let me let me engage in reason here. You're protesting a, a, a constitutional right. Abortion is said to be a constitutional right. Some people disagree with the constitutional right to bear arms. Some people disagree that it's a constitutional right to kill children. If you can protest your constitutional right, do I have the right to protest this constitutional right? The answer is clearly no. Not only do the kids not have the right to protest and walk out of class for 17 minutes and be called heroes and brave. They also don't have the right as a teacher or anyone else to even ask that question. This is a concentration camp mentality. California, let me ask you a question. How do you grow from this? What are you going to do when you have all of your beloved people running the state and you have half or a third of your population that doesn't agree with the way you want to run the state? Do you put them in re-education camps? No, the idea, I think, is you're just hoping everybody will move out so you can have your socialist utopia. Well, that's 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 wrong. That's wrong. Yeah, we were talking uh, off the air the other day about a book called uh, Science Left Behind. And it goes it, it's about uh, Hank Campbell and Alex Berzow. And they go over a ton of examples of how largely I th- the book focuses on examples on the left, because everyone says it's the you know conservatives who are abandoned science. And they go through example after example after example after example of how the left does exactly this. They will just they will take science and they will just disregard it when it butts up against whatever theory of the day they're trying to promote. And you know you can't you can't successfully run a society that way. You have to be able to look at the facts and objectively analyze them. And you know sometimes it doesn't mean you're going to get everything right. But if you can at least take the time to to honestly question, there was somebody a long time ago who had something about honestly questioning things that I don't know. Uh, he was a guy who kind of had a good idea about how to run things. So here's this Wednesday, first illegal immigrant ever to serve in state office <laughs> in California <laughs> was appointed by the California Senate Rules Committee. 
Elizabeth Mateo, 33, who attended Santa Clara University Law School in 2016, passed the California bar last year, is going to serve as the California Student Opportunity and Access Program Grant Advisory Committee, which advises the California Student Aid Commission on ways to make it easier for students from low-income or underserved communities to attend. What are those underserved communities? (laughs) I have a guess. Yes, I bet you do. (laughs) Senate President... uh, Kevin DeLeon, who announced the decision, took the opportunity to slam President Trump. He released a statement in which read, while Donald Trump uh, fixates on walls, California will continue to concentrate on opportunities. Ms. Mateo is a courageous. How dare him use Ms. How is that? Is that the proper pronoun? I hope to God so. Is that an assumption of gender? I think it is. Ms. Mateo is courageous, determined, and an intelligent young woman (gasps) who at great personal risk has dedicated herself for f- the, to fight for those seeking their rightful place in this, uh, in this country. Now, Mateo followed that up with, while undocumented students, in my day we used to call them illegally here, <laughs> illegal aliens, while undocumented students have become more visible in our state, they remain unrepresented in places where <laughs> decisions that affect them are made. So in other words, in the House and the Senate, you can't legally vote, but now you can serve in the Senate. If you're Donald Trump, yes. let us run this by you here. Yes, you're okay. sitting in the White House. I'm Donald Trump. You're Donald Trump. You're okay. sitting in the White House Got right it. now. Okay. You are a guy who occasionally likes the jousting of a good conflict. Yes, I okay? like conflict. <laughs> you like, Donald Trump, you I like, like it. It's, yes. it's kind of like what you like yes. about the gig, right? <laughs> that's right. right. It's like what I, that's what life is all about. And you like to send the message yes. that you're very tough. He likes that too. On illegal immigration. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. You have to be tempted mm-hmm. mid-speech <laughs> to send a crew in there from ICE and to remove her from this country in the middle of a sentence. So, in other words, Ms. Mateo, <laughs> assuming that is her proper pronoun, right? <laughs> uh, she is giving a speech, and all of a sudden, the doors are kicked in on each side, and ice <laughs> maybe to... grapples down from the I ceiling. I think you walk through the front her door it's a, and it's... flies her to Mexico. There's no reason to damage a door in this process. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I think Donald Trump might <laughs> say, you know what, kick the door down, even if it's open. Lock it and then kick it down. Because, look, it's one thing. Yeah, we've talked about like the dreamers. We've talked about all these groups with all these wonderful names, all these wonderful sure, people from sure, other countries sure, who sure. just couldn't make it in their own and have made yeah. it there. No, no problem. No, uh, no issue of their own. Mm-hmm, no fault mm-hmm, of their own. They're mm-hmm. just here. Hey, look, that is one thing. And obviously, Donald Trump has supported DACA. He's a guy who's been uh, he's had some sympathies for those arguments. Right. When you are when you are flaunting it so badly. That you have broken the law, that you're doing something illegal, mm-hmm. that you would enter a the first ever state representative or mm-hmm. whatever it is mm-hmm. to go in into an actual state government role and then have it publicized in multiple news stories mm-hmm. and tell everyone on earth where you're going to be every mm-hmm. minute of the day. Right. That is really right. a finger in the face of oh, the president, oh of my. the border guard. Of the United States. Of the United States of America. United and States our legal system. Yeah. Okay. So here, just just one more thing. Just to, you know, to, to point out that, you know, not only is she here illegally, 
um, and she's now serving as an illegal, you know, uh, in uh, state government. She is uh, she's also the one who played a key role in helping a group of people known as the Dream Nine. You know the Dream the Nine? Dream, I don't know yeah, the Dream Nine. Know I know Ocean's Eight. I don't know yeah. the Dream Nine. Dream Nine. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch one through eight, so I don't okay. know if I truly mm-hmm. understand Dream mm-hmm. Nine. But the Dream Dream Nine were nine people that were returned to the U.S. after being deported to Mexico. So the ICE came in, deported them, and she helped them come back into the country. <laughs> Wait, how do you? That, did that, I, I don't know if it <laughs> happened in the middle of the night. I don't know how it happened, but I think I'm more and more inclined to enjoy someone grappling down <laughs> during the middle of her speech. You want to you want to find a great employee. You want to find the one that is going to change your business for the better. You have to have the best way to find them. Better than posting your job online and praying that the right person. Well, we all know that thoughts and prayers don't matter, right? <laughs> uh, ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidate for you. ZipRecruiter. They they learn. Uh, what you're looking for, and then they go out and they identify the people with the right experience and then invite them to apply for your job. The invitations have revolutionized the way this, uh, you know, job searches are working. 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck get a quality candidate through the site in the first day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications that you receive so you never miss a great match. The right candidate is there. And ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck will help you find them. Try it yourself for free. Post your job online and see the results for yourself. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Try it now. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. All right, California, I don't want you to feel like all hope is lost, even though it is. Um, I Did I say that out loud? Um, uh, I want to tell you how bad things are in France. There is a, uh, there's a French rule that you, you've, you've got to be closed. If you're a business, uh, at least a bakery, you have to be closed one day out of the week because you have to have a day of rest. Not because God told you to do that, because that's silly and really, really bad. This is because the government says you have to have a day of rest. Well, there's this uh, this baker in a town of about 2,000. It's a, it's a resort town. He wants to make ends meet by being open on Sundays because the tourists are there and he can make a lot of money during tourist season. He just, quote, likes to work. The government has fined him and told him he has to close his bakery. Out of a town of 2,000, he's already gotten the 2,000 residents to sign his petition to leave the bakery alone. He said, quote, we just have to stop ticking people off who like to work. <laughs> wow. I love that because it was it used to be that they were closed one day a week for like the blue laws, right? Yes. Oh, Alexa's yeah, talking over there. Alexa, shut up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but it used to be closed because of religious reasons uh, or, or, you know, yeah, different but that, parts of the that, world. That was crazy. Then the government overturned those laws. Mm-hmm. And now they're implementing them again, just <laughs> right. with no religious connotation. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, but for the good. same reason, mm-hmm. you have to rest. Oh, okay. Yeah, of course. Uh, 
Uh, I'm a little concerned about uh, now tomorrow is St. Patrick's Day. Mm. Uh, I'm sure you'll be celebrating. No, I don't like the saints. I don't like okay. the people named Patrick. <laughs> and it all comes from religion. I think it's oppressive. <laughs> uh, in Savannah, there's a Me Too mov- movement going on, I think. Mm, okay. uh, this is I, how I'm seeing it. Uh, apparently, uh, women in the crowd are known to dash out in the streets in the middle of their parade and plant a smooch. No. On uniformed service members no. marching in the St. Patrick's Day no. parade. No. It is the uh, second largest parade uh, for St. Patrick's Day in the United States, third largest in the world. Uh, and over, it started in the 1960s, mm. and it has it gotten out of hand over time. Mm-hmm. Um, the Kevin Larson's a spokesman for nearby Fort Stewart, said that the military is just asking people to police themselves. It's not a law or a rule. Um, they, of course, it causes delays in the parade and there's all sorts of other issues. However, these poor servicemen <laughs> might not want these kisses. Amen. Now, the uh, officials That doesn't st- explain the t-shirt that they all wear that says, me too, question mark. <laughs> Apparently <laughs> me not. Me too? Right. Me too? Listen to this. They have suggested that soldiers who do not want to be kissed <laughs> can say no or offer a handshake instead. However... Oh. This is a quote from the article. Quote, bystanders can't be forced to stop. What the hell do you mean they can't be forced to stop? I, I, a, a military member has to accept a kiss in this situation? <laughs> what do you mean you can't force them to stop? If someone is, is trying to kiss you and you do not want them to kiss you, I'm pretty sure you can force them to stop. No. No? no, so not no, hashtag. It's, a, it's me, no, not not nope. me too. Hashtag. Nope, it's the California parade rule of 1994. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Women could do it, but men, they have to accept the kiss. Glenn Beck, Mercury. Love, courage, truth. Glenn. Julianne had a question for her high school history class. Are all protests equal? If a student can decide to walk out of school for 17 minutes in support uh, of gun control or against the Second Amendment, can they do the same to protest another right that is supposedly uh, uh, protected under the Constitution? Can they? The answer in California is nope. Julianne wanted her students to think about the double standard. Her message resonated with uh, Nick Wade. He's a student there. He said, I felt like if we were to go to school and say something like I wanted to walk out maybe for abortion rights, then you would uh, you'd know they probably wouldn't let us there because it's more of a conservative push. But if somebody wants to say, let's walk out for gun control, the school's going to do it and go with it because it's a popular view with them. She was proud of her students that were thoughtful and, uh, you know, were, were open to questioning with boldness, honest questioning. Uh, the administration didn't like it at all. After class, Julianne received a call that she had been placed on administrative leave. Officials claimed that they had received several complaints from parents and students involving the teacher's communications regarding the conversation about the walkout. For Julianne, the Second Amendment conversation has turned a plea. Uh, it turned into a plea for the First Amendment. You know, we are we we are really in trouble with our schools. 
if you are in a conservative school and you are only teaching design, uh, intelligent design or creationism, and you are not teaching the Big Bang, you are doing a disservice to your students. If you are in a school in uh, California and you are only teaching the Big Bang and you are not teaching intelligent design, then you are doing a disservice. We must be able to challenge thought. It is what the First Amendment was meant for. She's steadfast in her belief. You're going to allow students to walk out and get out of class without penalty. Then you have to allow another group of students that want to protest. There are great teachers out there. And Julianne is one of them. She is the reason that kids should stay in school during school hours. Because in a class like hers, they won't be taught what to think. They just may end up learning how to think. It's Friday, March 16th. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mr. Bill O'Reilly from BillOReilly.com. How are you, sir? I'm the same, Beck, which is tragic for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you are funny. Um, Bill, your thoughts on that last story? All right. Um, I was a former high school teacher, as you know, and I taught elective called Contemporary Problems, which dealt with uh, the issues of the day in the early 1970s. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty well versed about kids and, and what they do and, and how they do it and how they get swept up in all kinds of mania and peer pressure. So my solution to all of this is, look, if you want to have a demonstration or a protest against something, you should be able to if you're a student, but it, it has to be done after school, not during school hours. You can't, imp- you can't impose on the school day and uh, force people to make a decision about whether they should protest or not because it's just wrong to put kids in that position. So you can do it after school, and you petition it. You go to the principal and you say, look, we'd like to have this kind of a discussion in the gymnasium or wherever, and, you know, hopefully a reasonable administration will will respect that. So that's how you do it. You don't uh, get into involved with this uh, trendy and uh, um, spur-of-the-moment stuff. Well, uh, but the most important story, and I don't know whether you covered this or not, because I am trying to keep up with you, but you, you've got so many things going on on the program. I I, you might have, but we uncovered on BillOReilly.com, which is rapidly uh, turning into an investigative agency, Good for you. that there was a far-left group behind this protest of these kids. Do you know that? Yeah, well, we, we do, but yes, okay. most people don't. The group is called Empower, mm-hmm. E-M-P-O-W-E-R. Okay, didn't and, know this part of it. Good. All right, go ahead. Oh, you didn't know this? No, this is new. This oh, is new to me. Go back, ahead. Back, back, <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's good. Go ahead. Go this ahead. group, this group was behind the student walkout. And not only were they behind it, but in certain areas they made signs. Um, they made sure that far-left faculty members were put, posting stuff on social media. It was organized by Empower. Who's Empower, Beck? Empower is, a, is an offshoot of a group called 
the women's march movement. Yeah, that 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 there we had. I didn't have the loop of empower. This okay. is a, this is a this is truly amazing, Bill. That it is. no and one it is covering this by any Anyone. national news service. Bill, do you remember? None. Do you remember how this is astroturf? This tea party, it's astroturf. These were people in their kitchens, you know, making little signs with sprinkles uh, on them with their kids, and we were called astroturf. And it was everybody knew what astroturf meant because they covered it so much at the beginning of the tea party. Not a word about this. And in Santa Barbara, uh, a hotbed of women's movement, uh, women's march movement, they actually had professionally printed signs. The kids were carrying, decrying white supremacy. Um, So your listeners and every American citizen, you got to know that this stealth, Sneaky propaganda has now reached a national crisis where American children are being manipulated. They have no idea who, what Empower is or what the Women's March movement is. They have no clue. They think it's a spontaneous uprising, and it is not. And these people are making tremendous gains. They have a tremendous amount of money, uh, much of it from the George Soros crew, and they have the media in their pocket. And I will just point out that the Women's March movement, as we discussed last Friday, all right, is now favorable toward Louis Farrakhan, the biggest anti-Semite and anti-white person uh, going around speaking today. So this is bad, and I'm proud that my website, BillOReilly.com, with a small staff, are breaking these stories and letting people know what the truth is about their country, because you're certainly not getting it from the national press. Bill, if there was a, well, they, they barely covered the, uh, the Right for Life march, which was enormous in Washington, D.C. Yeah, they ignore it every year. Yeah, they ignore it every single year. So they don't, they, those women don't count. Those people don't count. Those children don't count. Uh, and and if, this, if there was a Right to Life march that was spontaneously happening, spontaneously happening, uh, all across the country, and there was a walkout, and the signs, the buses, you know, to get the kids where they needed to go and organize everything and get the permits and get the stage and get the speakers and have all of that done, and then the signs as well were printed by churches, they would have exposed that and said this is nothing but a religious, crazy, crackpot, church-driven thing that is indoctrinating kids. Any doubt in your mind? No. And everybody knows it, though. I mean, so what we're trying to do here is this story um, about the anti-Trump movement and the anti-conservative movement, uh, which are two different things, um, is is developing quickly. And what what Americans are unaware of is that there is a powerful force behind all this. And you said it that the nation's public schools are really in crisis because the teachers unions are as far left as you can get. All right. And the administrators, the principal school boards are frightened to death of the women's movement. 
They, 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 they're petrified of it. So where they couldn't win in the ballot box, they couldn't get Hillary Clinton elected and their liberal people uh, in the House and the Senate, they couldn't get them elected. They're now doing it through propaganda and intimidation, which every totalitarian regime in history has used. And then they're hoping that that wave of intimidation leads to success at the ballot box. And so it's a much bigger story than just kids walking out waving signs saying, we don't want any more kids shot. Um, It's a much, much bigger story than that. Bill O'Reilly from BillOReilly.com. A conversation continues here in just a second. I want to tell you a little bit about Simply Safe, great home security company filled with really good people. I mean, these guys are they're Imagineers, if you will. They imagine things that aren't, and uh, and and say, well, why can't we build it that way? Why can't we do it this way? Why do we why do we have to lock people into a contract? Why do we have to wire a house? I don't want somebody walking around in my house, drilling holes and setting up everything, and 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 you know. In some cases, casing the house themselves. I don't want that. I want to be able to have my home security system. I want to be able to buy it. I'd love to be able to install it, but I don't want to drill it. I don't. I mean, if it takes me more than a half hour, I don't want to do it. Well, that's what Simply Safe is. You don't have to. You don't even have to have a screwdriver. Simply Safe. You install. You own it. You are paying. An unbelievable price. Just go to the website at simplysafebeck.com. You look and you'll see, just scroll down a little bit and you'll see how much money you're going to save by, by installing Simply Safe. And then there's no contract. It's $14.95 a month. You want the service one month, you don't want it the next month, it's up to you. No contract. And you'll never find a price like this anywhere. Try the new Simply Safe, all redesigned, brand new. It's unbelievable. Check it out for yourself. SimplySafeBeck.com. That's SimplySafeBeck.com. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. We have uh, we have Dennis Quaid joining us in about an hour from now. There's a new movie out called uh, I Can Only Imagine. And Bart Millard, uh, it's a story about, a true story about Bart Millard and uh, the song that he wrote about his dad, I can only imagine. That is this incredible story. I will tell you, I watched uh, the movie last week and I was like, okay, well, well let's, let's, let's watch this movie and see if it's any good. Uh, it is really good. You'll love it. And I think that Dennis Quaid, uh, it may be his best performance yet. And it's an incredible story. We'll talk about that next hour. Right now, we have Bill O'Reilly from BillOReilly.com on with us. Uh, Bill, let's talk about, you have any thoughts on the bridge collapse? No, I'm, you know, I'm sure they'll find out if the construction company did something. uh... Okay, so let me ask you this question. Do you have any, uh, any comments, seeing that the bridge was five days old, do you have any comments of uh, about the media talking about how this is Donald Trump and not investing in our in our infrastructure? Uh, you know, I mean, really, I I did something. By the way, uh, Dennis Quaid's a good guy. Tell him I said hello. Uh, I, I, I'll say to, to you him. that he's, I will. He's really a good guy and a uh, smart guy. Yeah. Um, I did a uh, commentary yesterday called um, Trump Fatigue. 
And I, I base it on uh, my analysis of the cable news ratings. Uh, two of the networks, Fox and CNN, are, are going down rapidly, uh, losing audience rapidly. MSNBC in prime time is gaining a little bit, but that gain is going to evaporate soon. And the reason is on both sides, the hate Trumpers and the love Trumpers, they're getting tired of this every single day. Um, the most absurd uh, comparisons, as you just said, you know, the infrastructure and it's somehow Trump is tied in uh, this. These women who come out, they obviously want to make money. They're in it for money. Everybody knows they want money. So do their attorneys. Um, yet the media uh, puts them up as some kind of uh, victims. And uh, you, you're just even the dimmest of us bet know that it is over. It's Trump fatigue. They want him out. We've heard it all now. Whatever Mueller comes back with, half the country's not going to believe it. All right? And, and why would Mueller subpoena Trump records for his private business more than a year after he started the Russian investigation? Why wasn't that done in the first three months? You know, I mean, it's just enough already. So I'm not surprised they're trying to tie him into the bridge in Miami or somebody got a hurt toe in Wisconsin. It's got to be Trump's fault. Will you you do me a favor, Bill, because you are really, truly, I think, one of the sharpest minds uh, uh, about television. I I mean, I I used to marvel at, you know, you'd get in the morning and the first thing you would do is you would go over uh, everybody's ratings and you track them. And uh, you were looking for what's working and what's not. Uh, right. You know, to try to kind of understand the mind of America. Uh, and and I don't do that. Um, <laughs> uh, the, America tries to understand the mind of Glenn Beck, which is weird. Um, but I would love to hear your opinion on uh, or, or your, your facts on what is really happening with cable news, because you're not hearing this anywhere. And I believe the collapse is coming. Uh, well, it's here. It's it's not coming. It's here. So tell me What's what is happening it, back. And it's an excellent question um, is this. After you left, I left a few other people left the uh, field. All right. Uh, and Donald Trump was elected president. The cable news divided into we hate Trump. We love Trump. And they wiped out all their other coverage of the country and the world. Everything particularly in prime time, was geared toward either trying to get Trump out of office, the media coup that I've described, get him out, not criticize him, we want him out, or defend him at all costs. Mm -hmm. All right? So the cable news, instead of covering, I did six segments when I was doing The Factor, and maybe two of them were on politics and four of them were on other things. Uh, I'll give you an example. The guy who killed Kate Steinle is now suing the federal government, Beck. Was, did anybody cover that last night? No. Nobody. Nobody. As outrageous as it gets. Okay. So people can watch a little bit of the Trump stuff, but particularly for the we, we didn't know whether he was going to do anything or, or he's a new president. But now he's been in there for 14 months. Right? And it's the same stuff that it was 14 months ago. So tell me what the, tell me what the ratings are doing, Bill. Compare when All you right. were there. 
to in February 2017 when I was sitting there in the factor. All right, we had more than four million viewers at eight o'clock Eastern time. Tucker Carlson in February 2018 this year lost about a million two of that audience, or a million two hundred thousand people who are watching Fox News at eight o'clock are no longer watching it at eight. Not Tucker's fault. All right. It's not that he's doing a bad show. It's just that it's because this is all go- about one thing. And is this go? Is this is this network wide? And it is showing the same kind of uh, downward trend for CNN. Yes, yeah, CNN has lost a lot of viewers. At Fox, it is network wide, with the exception of Sean Hannity. Now, Sean's show has is the strongest show on the network. And Sean is the most um, enthusiastic advocate of Donald Trump and at least provides. And this is why his show is still doing well. He provides the only balance, the only balance in a passionate way. I mean, Laura does it too, Laura Ingram. But 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 Trump um, is really getting defended by one man on cable and it's Sean Hannity. So those people who like Trump are watching Sean. And, you know, it's necessary. Sean Hannity's show is necessary. If you didn't have it, it would be 100% avalanche, bury a president of the United States. But, again, if you, if you do it every night, if it's every night. And every show. So and people, are, people are just saying, look, I'm going to go on the Internet. I'm going to watch BillOReilly.com. Uh, I'm going to I'm listening to Glenn Beck. Okay, so, I, I just so, can't invest the time anymore. So hang on just that's a second. What's happening. Go to CNN because I just want to see because I believe this is happening on both sides of the aisle. Tell me it about the, the numbers. How much have they lost at CNN? Do you know? CNN, I, I don't have the sheet in front of me. We did it yesterday on BillOReilly.com. They've lost about 20, 25 percent of their audience across wow. the board. They have no traction at all. I mean, it's funny because they're giving uh, Cuomo, Chris Cuomo, a primetime yeah, show. <laughs> that well, his morning show didn't do any, yeah, anything. <laughs> Quick, let's move him to primetime. Back in a minute. Glenn Beck, Mercury. I talked to Larry Kudlow about uh, how hard is it to fix the economy. Here's here's what he said. I said this before and I'll I'll say it again. You and I and like minded people who believe in freedom and we I can sit down with you and fix the economy. Give me a half hour. Can I list the stuff? I mean, I've only been I've been doing it for close to 40 years. It's not the principles don't change. He now has his 30 minutes to fix the economy. What is your what are your thoughts on uh, Larry Kudlow? Uh, before I get to that, Beck, I just want to tell you, you know, every time I hear the music coming in from oh, the break to introduce you, yeah. I want to go to the spa. I'm going to put hot rocks on your back soon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's just like I, I, I fire up the inside. I know, I know, I know. All right, go ahead. Okay. Larry, uh, Larry Kudlow. Kudlow, good guy, um, smart guy, free marketeer. 
Um, don't think he's a big tariff guy. No, um, no. Which is interesting, isn't it? Yes. Uh, because I've said from the jump, this whole tariff thing is smoke and mirrors. Well, he, uh, he, he said it was quite interesting. He said he was called on the tennis court by Donald Trump. And, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, he, he thought he was going to get chewed out for what he was saying on CNBC about tariffs. And he said, let me explain. Trump said, let me explain my strategy. That's an interesting word. He said, "Within twenty minutes, I was on board." Now he's not yeah, going to because the strategy is to saber rattle and then to make yeah, that's, that's, deals and then not have the tariffs. That's, that's great if that's true. That's great, and I think he's. What do you think about the people who are saying, uh, you know, well, he's a he's a former alcoholic and drug user. He's been he with twenty years ago. He was drinking and well, drugging. I mean, and, look, I mean, anybody who would say that uh, has to examine their own life. Thank you. Everybody has uh, frailties, and everybody does things that they're not proud of. And it seems to me that Mr. Kudlow overcame that. So why would anybody be using that to attack him? You know, when people do that, I just say, "You're a bad human being. Please." vanish from my presence. <laughs> uh, let's go to uh, Gina Haspel. Uh, the story that was going around was that she was instrumental in the waterboarding of uh, Abu, what's his name? I think he was the hairy back guy. Uh, yeah, now ProPublica has um, retracted that. Admitted that their reporting was fallacious. Word of the day, fallacious, fallacious. everyone. Uh, um, may I, may I just... Anybody surprised that ProPublica, um, which is Fidel Castro, the late Fidel Castro's favorite news operation, um, would put out this crap? I'm not. Uh, I don't know what uh, the woman did or did not do. I think that's for the Senate confirmation hearings. I think everybody should have an open mind about it. We want a good CIA director. Um, but hang on just a second. Hang on just a second. Yeah. She was wildly smeared and I don't think she gets her reputation back. They, they even said that they had a book that talked about who was running the camp at the time and that it was a he, but ProPublica just, I mean, for people who are really concerned about pronouns, got this one wrong. Uh, they said, we just assumed that the author was trying to hide the fact that it was Gina Haspel that was running the camp. All right. But, But let's, let's be honest. If you and people don't know this, but number one, nobody even heard of ProPublica and this story. It's not a big story. Uh, But if you if you do follow it and you see the name ProPublica, you know immediately that this is coming from a far left position. It's not. Wait, wait, wait. It's but it's not about ProPublica. I mean, Rand Paul has used this. But Rand Paul, you knew was going to pull this. (laughs) Rand Paul, again, this is for the people of Kentucky to decide. Rand Paul has a very, very sharp view of life, and he's not going to go along party lines. He's just not. And so, well, neither. Hang on, just as you want, neither going to derail a lot of stuff. Neither am I when it comes to torture. I don't believe in torture. Waterboarding, we do to our own troops in training. So a million times during the Iraq War. And Americans either support waterboarding or they don't. And, you know, that's what we have to go. That's why we vote. And most people, I believe, do on very, very limited occasions when life or death is in play. So anyway, I think this woman will probably be confirmed um, to be the director of the CIA. I think it's a good thing we have a woman in that position. I don't know her. I don't know much about, you know, her 
uh, background, but that's why I'm looking forward to the to the hearings. Bill, I've been uh, listening intently to your commentary today, and as, as usual, well you should. It, it's been amazingly uh, insightful, as usual. What is he kissing um, up for? But I just I want to make sure I draw attention to one yes. uh, particular thing from the interview. Um, which it was a qualifier that Glenn uh, pointed out. He said you were one of the brightest minds on television matters. He, he, did you notice the qualification there? He said you were a very bright mind, but he said it was only really specifically on one <laughs> minor topic. What how do you is it? Feel Why are you trying that? to get into his good graces? Uh, I just want to know what how he <laughs> how he would react to that because it happened no, on no, national no, but radio. Beck expanded it. He expanded it by saying O'Reilly looked at the ratings because he wanted to know what the American people found edifying. And and it's absolutely true. That's what I did. Hmm. And I'm not, not, look, whether I'm a great mind or not is up to the (laughs) listeners uh, of your program tonight. What I try to do is bring a uh, honesty and incisiveness into the dialogue. Like Beck and probably you too, Stu. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have an agenda here. I, I really don't. I just want the best for all Americans. Um, and I see tremendous corruption in our country. Tremendous corruption. Let me, ask, let me ask you this, Bill. Um, yesterday I did a uh, story on uh, how, you know, if you just Google, uh, yeah. what was it? People leaving the Trump administration or being fired. And you'll get all kinds of lists from everybody, from every newspaper but n- nothing on the first page of the results will tell you who he's replacing them with. And that's really kind of an important because I think everybody that he's replaced so far has been an upgrade. And I, I've never seen anything like this, this thirst for blood. I mean, poor McMaster, man. They've been saying for a year, <laughs> this is the weekend he's going to be fired. It's yeah. incredible. Well, look, there's two things in play here. Pompeo, for Secretary of State, is an upgrade over Rex Tillerson. All right, there's no doubt in my mind. Rex was kind of frightening. Looked a little like Bella Lugosi. Okay. All right, all right. Why he he couldn't have any meetings during the day? (laughs) That's not true. (laughs) I was wearing this black cape. No, no, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. (laughs) Um, But he's Pompeo's an upgrade. But Trump's management style has not changed since he was running around New York building condos. You do it his way or you're out. And anybody working for Trump has got to understand that. Now, Mattis, who I think is the best uh, administrator in the Trump uh, hierarchy, has managed to stay away and managed to do an excellent job as Secretary of Defense. Yeah. But the other guys, I mean, it's Trump's way or the highway, and that's just the way the man is. Last question. Russia. What is going to happen with Russia because of the U.K.? I, you know, it, it's hard to predict Putin. Putin's in trouble now. All right? He's in trouble because his image is shattering around the world. It doesn't matter in Russia itself, because that's a totalitarian state. If you run against Vlad, he's going to put you in jail or poison you. All right, so that, that are your options. But around the world, everybody knows that Putin is Stalin light. I mean, that's who he is. And you remember when I interviewed Donald Trump 
in the Super Bowl for 2017, that weekend, I said to the president, why are you being soft on Putin? He's a killer. Do you remember that, Beck? Mm -hmm. And then Putin demanded that I apologize, or he was going to send poison to Long Island or something. <laughs> right, I don't right, know. right, right, right. Okay. Now, I saw that, and, and Trump really didn't have a, you know, his, his answer was, well, we do bad things, too, which I thought was pretty weak. Very weak. Um, but every, I think the, the, the good thing about this, if there isn't any, because people are dead, is that the world, there's no longer any debate about Vlad Putin. You know, uh, he's just a savage. Yeah. He's a savage. Okay. And, and everybody's got to know it. Bill, as always, thank you so much. Thanks for all the hard all right. work at uh, BillOReilly.com. I want to thank Stu for the kind words. Very, very, my weekend, my St. Patrick's Day weekend is now complete. Right. <laughs> You're you welcome. very much. Thanks a lot, Bill. Appreciate it. All right, guys. BillOReilly.com. All right. Our sponsor this half hour, we want to, we want to thank Blinds.com for making this program possible. Uh, blinds.com the best at what they do if you're looking to change the uh the draperies or the you know the window coverings whether you need shade shutters drapes whatever you need blinds.com has them you can upgrade your home for less by doing the window treatments than anything else the number one online retailer of custom window coverings is Blinds.com. And right now, through March 22nd, when you buy one, you get 50% off at Blinds.com slash back. Can you check? Do we have the teacher from California? That is That's just, what they're telling us. We yes. have her next. Okay, don't go anywhere. 50% off at Blinds.com slash back. Blinds.com slash back. Go there now. Rules and restrictions do apply. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. In Rockland, California, Jillian Benzel uh, asked her students in class, she's a teacher, if a group of students nationwide or even locally decided, I want to walk out of a school for 17 minutes and go into the quad area and protest abortion, would that be allowed by our administration? For asking that question, she is now on administrative leave. They uh, they made sure she they 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 expressed their displeasure with her question immediately. And she joins us now from Rockland, California. Julianne, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you, Glenn. What are you what do you teach? What subject? OK, so I teach advanced placement U.S. history. I teach a dual enrollment class, which is basically a college course on the high school campus in conjunction with our, it's a Sierra College, which is our local junior college. Okay, so is um, I do have my master's degree in history, so I'm teaching a college course on our campus. So isn't this an appropriate question to ask, and, and, and not a political question, but a question about the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, and what, the, the Fourth Amendment? Well, I'm going to also throw in the Sixth Amendment. I think there's something called due process of law. If I if I remember my stipulations of the Sixth Amendment, um, you're supposed to be proven, I think, innocent until proven guilty. And basically, um, when I got a call at 8.30 a.m. on the morning of the protest, when they had ample time two days prior, when I had been on campus, to, you know, ask interview you. me, ask me questions. What are they accusing um, you of doing? 
Um, at this point, because um, we had a meeting yesterday, basically, I just want to clarify, I was not told um, until yesterday afternoon. So 8.30 Wednesday morning, don't come in, you're on administrative leave. Um, I kept calling, I, needed, I need to know why, what's going on. Um, and they released a statement to the local news as to why it was. And the statement apparently read that it said some students and parents were upset with the dialogue that I had in class. And again, Glenn, I know you are a statistics man. I love statistics. I have over 120 students, two students. So I think that's 1%, less than 1%. And one parent, which I'm going to presume is probably a parent of the student, they went down and apparently were uncomfortable or didn't like that I brought up abortion or that I was challenging the protest. Oh, my gosh. The two students <laughs> um, was enough to get me on administrative leave. They didn't corroborate those students' stories with, um, say, some of the, another couple of so my own students. Are you, right? acu- are you just being accused of making students uncomfortable by talking about the Constitution <laughs> and constitutional rights? Um, I'm not sure what the wording. I'd have to look at the, the, the statement um, because they're kind of re- redacting most of this. Um, they said in the meeting yesterday, this is not a disciplinary issue. Um, we are just going to, we're just continuing to investigate. And I said, what on earth are you talking about? You can't investigate after you have basically criminalized me in front of my entire community. I've been teaching here for 20 years. I have an unscathed reputation <sighs> and you basically just put me at guilty. And then now you want to come back and ask me, questions like it's it's so so julie julianne i only have a minute i'd like to talk to you again uh over the after the weekend but um do you have any do you have support locally and how can we help nationally oh that's very kind i think just the fact that you are interested and you called um would probably be enough i mean i'm receiving an incredible amount of support from the community and honestly the most endearing thing about this is students from my my past like I've, i've spoken and taught before they and their parents are writing letters and sending me emails so i'm a little overwhelmed with the support to be honest with you i just appreciate your time oh my gosh Uh, julianne i said we talked about this yesterday and i said this is a reason to stay in school is because of teachers like you that are not trying to teach kids what to think but how to think how to think absolutely thank you so much for thank you especially in that den of viper one more question is yes. your is your union supporting you? Um, I must say that my um, union president was there with me, and she was fantastic. So yes, they are. Great. Oh well, that's unbelievable. For. Thank you. I'm glad to hear that. Yes. Julianne, yes. G- God bless, and we will continue to follow your story. Thank you. Thank you. you bet. Oh. Bye bye. Boy, you imagine being a teacher in California. Oh my gosh. How alone and how crazy. But that's. I think that's good news. What what she said about the support, and it was only two students. You know, I think that's just good the reaction is ridiculous. I mean, you, you set up those circumstances and it's a completely ridiculous set of reactions. Okay. You should not be just thrown out. Coming up in just a minute. Uh, Bart Millard is um, has, has written a beautiful story, a true story and a great movie is coming out. Opens today. I can only imagine getting rave reviews. I'm one of them. It's a great movie. And Dennis Quaid is the star. He's joining us next hour as well. Don't miss it. Glenn, back.
Mercury. Love. Courage. Truth. Glenn Beck. I am always a little bit edgy about faith films because they can get so preachy and so just, oh, dear God. Uh, and <laughs> on top of that, I am always concerned when a friend says, hey, I've just made a new movie and they give it to you. Watch it and tell me what you think. And you're like, oh, dear God. OK, I'll watch the movie <laughs> um, because I just I just you just never know. A friend of mine gave me a movie he's just finished called I Can Only Imagine. And I watched it with my children, and it is a fantastic movie. And if you listen to me, you know that I, I say nothing, when I, especially when I have a friend. I say nothing about a movie uh, or a project, uh, and I never will rave about something that I don't believe in. I mm -hmm. think this is absolutely fantastic. My son, who is like pulling teeth to watch anything other than a Marvel movie, <laughs> watched it, was engaged the whole time, and loved it as well. It is a great movie. It is the true story of uh, uh, Bart Millard um, and the song that, if you don't know, uh, is uh, a gigantic Christian uh, crossover song that has a really interesting story called I Can Only Imagine. Uh, and it's the movie stars Dennis Quaid, who plays Bart's uh, uh, father. Dennis is going to be joining us here in about a half an hour, but I wanted to get Bart in here to tell us the real story. Also, John Irwin is here, who's my friend, who's a movie maker. And uh, John, uh, first of all, if I may give you some details. Yes. <laughs> uh, this now this is you want to talk about the little engine that could. Okay. Uh, so far, they expected the, you know, the movie box office expected this movie. It opens today. It was in previews last night, right? Yeah, previews last night, yeah. Uh, they were expecting this movie to make $2 million for the whole weekend. Last night alone in previews, it made $1.3 million. It is one of the largest preview numbers for a faith film, I think only beaten by the passion. So far this morning... The ticket sales are now up to 2.3 million. So that is that is the that's passing what they expected for the entire weekend. It's currently the number one ticket uh, online this morning at movietickets.com and Fandango. Uh, and this is going to be the breakout faith film that shocks the box office. Now you're in a, what a third of the movie theaters that Panther. Yeah, we're, in. we're all in a state of shock at this yeah. point. It's uh, it's, it's incredible. And you know, sometimes when you just, when something's meaningful and inspirational uh, to you, you just have to trust that it will be to other people. And this song made a huge impact in my life at a time of loss. It was kind of like a beacon of hope, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I just, we all just felt like there were more of us out there. Can you real quick before I, because I want to talk to Bart because he has such a great story. Can you tell me the test results? I mean, didn't it just test? Yeah, the, yeah it tested uh, higher than uh, pretty much any faith film has ever. It, it tested at 96 total positive which and a 91 definite recommend. That's, in, but it's uh, 40 points above average uh, in every category. And, uh, you know, I just think it's, it's a, it's a song beloved by millions of people, and I think once they know the story behind the song, uh, it's going to make it even more meaningful. And I think it's one of Dennis Quaid's best uh, roles he's it's ever incredible. played. Incredible. Incredible. He's mean, incredible. It, it, one of the most humble, authentic, like, 
I, it was totally unique in his body of work. Yeah, it is. And he deserves a lot of credit. Yeah. Okay, so Bart is here. Hello, yeah. Bart. How are Hello. you? Hello. I'm great. Good. Uh, I bet you are. I bet you are. <laughs> so tell me, because the the story revolves around you and your relationship with two fathers in yeah. heaven and, and your dad uh, that you grew up with. Right. He was truly a monster. Mm-hmm. Really a monster. Yeah, he was, uh, my parents divorced when I was three, and um, my mom remarried when I was in third grade, and they moved from Greenville, Texas, down to San Antonio, and and uh, decided that, for whatever reason, it was best. My whole family was in the Greenville area, and so, for whatever reason, decided that my brother and I would live with my dad, who wasn't, he had a bad temper, but was never really abusive towards, like, me or my brother until after my mom moved away, and it, it got really bad. He took it... For uh, for some reason, he, if he had a bad day, he took it out on me. I don't remember many weeks where I wasn't beaten three or four times a week, and uh, and this went on until you know, um, probably my freshman year in, in high school when my dad was diagnosed with cancer, and um, and literally uh, kind of had this front row seat to see this man go from being a monster to somebody that that like literally fell in love with Jesus and his life completely changed, and to the to the point to where he was like my best friend and the godliest man I ever knew by the time he passed away. So your your childhood, mm. um, he not only he not only beats you, but um, is at least in the movie, mm. he's also convincing you at the same time uh, that you are completely worthless and you'll never accomplish any of your dreams. Is yeah. that true? Yeah, he was a he was a football star, like one of the only All Americans ever to come out of Greenville, small town, and he went to SMU and and uh, like I was named after Bart Starr, and like football was everything, mm. and. Um, and uh, either hurt his knee or somehow ended up quitting college and getting married and and um just always had this you know don't your dreams are worthless you need to get a real job you know it's just gonna it's gonna ruin you and you know because that was all he ever wanted to do and it just didn't work out and so and you know between that and i guess never remarrying and then cancer set in he's just an angry angry person so in the movie, he listens to you on the radio in mm-hmm. one of your songs, but that obviously is not working in the timeline of real life. So right. what was the what was the pivot point of your dad's life in real life? Well, in uh, real life, my dad was diagnosed when I was a freshman in high school. He passed away when I was a freshman in college. And, um, and so the change was definitely over time in that four or five year period. Um, you know, he, um, we, when I was little, we went to church and then just you know, he just kind of got sick of it and, and it was angry. And like when I was in seventh grade, I started going to like the youth group, like it was just another uh, excuse not to go home. So the church kind of raised me and mm-hmm. he was almost jealous of it and, and liked the church even less because of that. And, and somewhere along the way, just realized that we would, I would always, I would sing in church from time to time and we'd, you know, broadcast on the local AM rate station or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, not long before he passed away, he would start telling me, you know, I've, I've always listened because I just didn't think he cared. So that's true then. Yeah, it's true. Because yeah. that's a powerful, mm-hmm. powerful yeah. point. I wish I could say that I, in fact, there's an amazing, one of my favorite scenes is uh, when I go home to kind of confront my dad. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of this moment to where, you know, Trace Atkins plays Brickles, tell me, you know, you got to face your fears. And it looks like it's going to be, you almost know where the movie's going. It's going to be this, you know, angels singing and it's going to be this amazing moment. We're going to live yeah. happily ever after. And when we get there, my dad's, this change is already taking place, but I'm the one that's angry. And so it's, I have to tell you, that's why, uh, that's one of the reasons why this worked for me. Yeah. Mm. I grew up with a, you know, in an abusive family myself. Mm. And there's no way, if you would have come home and said, Oh dad, no you've changed. It would never, it would have been the yeah. typical Christian movie. And it's funny because yeah. when we originally, t- when they tested the movie and screened it, some people were like, we, I don't understand why would Bart have been angry? He's going to fix everything. I was like, well, obviously you haven't gone through what I went through because yeah. there was a, 
there was an arrogance about me that if my dad was going to be saved, I was going to be a savior. Like, like I, I deserve that almost. Like what he did to me, I'm going to be the one to change him. When I get there and he's already changed, I was liter- I genuinely was upset. Like, wait, who's doing this? Like, you, you don't, it was a weird, like you don't have a right to, to be good all of a sudden. Like, I, and there's a part of me that didn't even want grace to be from because I was so hurt and so angry. And, uh, and so it ends up being me. I'm the one that it takes time to come around yeah. and the change is taking place. And it just, it, it, over time it's like, okay. And it's just, it was me just trusting and being convinced that it was real. Do you think if your dad hadn't have had that change that, cause at least in the movie, mm-hmm. you were going down that road to some degree, mm-hmm. just, you were just, ang- I mean, it's normal. Mm-hmm. Sure. If your dad hadn't had that change, do you think you would have possibly followed in a similar path? I, I mean, I hope not, but I don't know. Like, you know, it's, you know, I, I grew up in a little church that was, there's a little bit of legalism involved. And I remember always kind of being scared into, you know, divorced kids become divorced parents and mm-hmm. this kind of, you know, and just, and almost believing that was my identity and that's who I was going to be, whether I liked mm-hmm. it or not. So there's a chance I would have fallen into it. Just not realizing that, Oh wait, I'm made for more than this. It's really, it's really an amazing thing. Cause I grew up in a family. My mom committed suicide mm-hmm. and alcoholism and everything else. And, and for a long time in my life, I just thought I was, I was destined yeah. to do that because yeah. that's the way it ends in my family. Yeah. And if, if I had a nickel for everyone that says, well, that's just who we are. Yes. It's just who I am. And it's, yes. that's the biggest lie ever. And, and it's hard. And, and it's, it it's is, hard to get it, past It's genuinely that, hard to break the chains. Of it that. is. It really is really hard. So the, the song you write it about your, your dad, mm-hmm. uh, tell me about that writing process. Well, when he passed away at a grave site, my grandmother said, I can only imagine what Bub's seeing right now. And I was 19 and, and I became obsessed with heaven. And it wasn't because I was a super spiritual kid or anything. It was almost like this kind of OCD thing. Like I became obsessed with him being in a better place versus looking at an empty bedroom. And so, and so it's like, I'm telling myself, like everyone doesn't lose someone. They have to be in a better place because I'm the only time I was angry at God wasn't when I was being abused. It was when I got the dad always wanted and he left. And so, so I kept telling myself, I thought that was a, again in the movie, a really yeah, strong yeah. point. Yeah. Well, really? Really? Yeah. Finally, now finally? Yeah. I want. Yeah. 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 So that, when that's when I struggled the most. And so it, it, so it was almost like this superstitious, like I would write the phrase, I can only imagine anything I get my hands on. Like if I was on hold, I'm writing, my grandmother thought I was practicing my autograph, but I'd just be writing it over and over. It's, it's carved into a desk I had in college. And, and it was just something I always went to. And it was just me telling myself, He's in a better place. He's in a better place. It must be better than him being here because I really would like him here. And and um and so years later I'm in the band and we're looking for one more song for an independent record. And I'm literally trying to find this is before smartphones and typing stuff on a computer. I had these three journals that I would carry and I was looking for a blank page to write one more song for our album. And literally every page had imagine or I can imagine written on it somewhere. And so at first I was frustrated, like. I really need a blank page. Why'd I have to ruin every page? And then all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, I get it. I totally get it. And so it was, it's probably the only time in my life a song was written in about 10 minutes, but it'd been in my heart for a few years. So it wasn't just out of the blue. So I want to take it from that point to, uh, what happened after the song all the way to the movie. And then we'll pick it up with Dennis Quaid when we come back in a minute. movie is in theaters today i can only imagine you can go to i can only to get all the details it's a great movie 
can't wait to talk to Dennis Quaid. It really is the performance of his career. Uh, hang on just a sec. What'd you say? You got to open it. You got to push it on. There you go. Real it's, quick. Yeah, it's changing his life. It's really amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. I want to talk to you about uh, our sponsor this half hour. If you're hiring somebody, it's you know it's tough, but ZipRecruiter is there, and they have um, you know refigured the way we 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 look for the right employees. There's a smarter way. They built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. Now, the platform used to just you put it in, and then it would post on all of the uh, on all of the job sites. But now what it does, it's smart technology. It learns what you're looking for, and it goes out and it identifies the people with the right experience and then invites them to apply for your job. And the invitations are really what has changed things. It's why 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in the first day. But they don't just do that. They also spotlight and highlight the strongest applications that are coming into you so you never miss a great match. If you're looking for the right employee for your business, ZipRecruiter is the way to find them and you can use ZipRecruiter now for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Try it for free now at ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. This will be the first time we've ever done an interview with somebody at the North Pole. Uh, we'll explain that coming up in a second. Dennis Quaid joins us uh, in a minute. We're talking to Bart Millard uh, about a a song that he wrote and now is a major motion picture. It opens in theaters everywhere across the country today, and I cannot recommend it highly enough. It is great. Uh, I can only imagine. There are some good movies out to see this weekend, some really good movies to see. This is the one you should see this weekend and take your whole family, my kids and Tanya, all of us, all of us love this movie. I can only imagine. So it's about uh, it's about you, Bart. You're not in it. Um, who plays you? His name is J. Michael Finley. He's amazing. Yeah, he's unbelievable. Who is he? His voice is like. I, that was the big question of who's going to play Bart because Bart has this power voice yeah. and, and Andy and I spent many years in the music business. So we're like, this kid's got to sing, you know, he's got to sing these songs. You can tell if it's overdubbed. So I was in New York working. We had looked at a thousand people and, and all over the country turned up empty. And I went to see uh, Les Mes on uh, uh on broadway and he was the understudy to jean valjean but the understudy uh, uh, here's the thing an understudy no an understudy would typically take four or five performances over the course of a run but the main guy could only play about three performances a week because that vocal's so hard so he played valjean 65 times and closed Uh, out the show and closed out the show as valjean and so i'm watching him sing these iconic songs best voice i've ever heard oh he's great he looks like bart yeah He's a pastor's kid from Missouri, and he saw Mercy Me play three times in concert in high You've school. You've got to be kidding Cast me. Cast him on the spot. It Holy was unbelievable. Cow. Holy cow. Yeah. So that is your bar, that's your band, and yeah. you were looking for a song. You decided to, you you, you finally realized, oh, I can only imagine, might might be the song I should write. <laughs> right, yeah. What, what happened? Because it wasn't really something that you even, you felt passionately about, but it wasn't something that... You were like, we've got to song. Right. This is our song. Yeah, we we recorded on an independent record, and we didn't even play it live for about a year because we, it was special to me. But it was like the last song on the album, and we were just doing church camp stuff like that, and we just never did. And some guy at camp said, "Hey, man, you, can you play this Imagine song tonight?" And I was like, "We don't even know it." And so while wow. he's doing his little sermon, we're behind the scenes, like learning our song, whispering it, and then we played it, and that first time ever, and 
spotlights on our face we couldn't see and when we finished there was no nobody made any noise and we we're like this is the worst decision of our career <laughs> and, uh, this is a horrible choice and when the lights came up there were people were kind of at the altar and crying and we'd never seen anything like that and we we're like what, what what is happening right now and throughout that it, we went from selling like a thousand cds on our own or independent records if we did that in a year we thought well we can pay our phone bill and uh, then that independent record did about 130, 140,000 units, which is like, it would be a million on a record label on our own, like out of the trunk of our car. And we we're shipping to like four or 500 bookstores out of our garage. And, and uh, somewhere along the way, you know, Amy Grant heard about it and called and said she wanted to record it. And we were like, well, I don't have any kids, but hopefully they'll go to college one day because that mm-hmm. seemed like a good move. And we're like, yeah, knock yourself out. And, and so, is that true? The, that part of the, I don't want to give anything away, but yeah, is that true? It's interesting. Happened? The two, the two reasons Andy and I said that we want to do this film. One is when Bart said, I, I watched God transform my dad from a monster into the man I wanted to become. And mm-hmm. just that reconciliation. But then Andy was doing an interview for one of our other films in Atlanta, <laughs> talking to a DJ and, uh, and, and the, in the break, the, the DJ said, Hey, what are you guys thinking about doing next? And we said, well, thinking about, it, I can only imagine kind of kicking the tires of it and the guy said i was there i was at the ryman in nashville when amy grant pulled bart up on stage wow. and he sang the song instead of her we compressed and three she of was planning on doing it yeah she it was it was her song and it's like we we ended up signing and it was a b-side in our album but it was going to be her single so she would be known for the song and so right. we were literally in their words we were the guys that wrote amy's next el shaddai and so uh, that's kind of how we ended up signing because we were the writers of Amy's next hit. But Amy took like a f- couple of years to actually, she took forever to make the album. So we released ours and our whole plan was sunk because she'd never, nobody knew what the next El Shaddai was because she was taking forever. And so we were like panicked and our label's like, what do we do? And so what, how it really happened was about a week before we called and she was like, uh, we're like, hey, any plans to release a song? And that's when she was like, you need to finish what you started. This is a career song for you. Hmm. So she handed it back and we were like, what? And she goes, but here's the problem. I've got to showcase this thing at the Ryman next week and it's not my song anymore. So you, you have to sing it. Hmm. And I really wish it would have been spontaneous where I couldn't have sweated bullets for a week. Cause yeah, I'm like, yeah, my yeah. first time in Nashville was on in the Ryman, Ryman. on the Ryman with wow. Amy and Vince yeah. singing. And she was like, Hey, you don't know these guys. It's mercy me. And this is their next song. And so, yeah, that's, it's on YouTube somewhere. You can find it. Mm. Incredibly selfless act by her. And we just compressed those two moments yeah. into one. And so film. tell me, tell me we're going to Dennis Quaid. He's, he's in the North, Pole. the North pole. He's shooting a show called fortitude for Amazon. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, and so basically he had a week off, promoted the film. He just went back and we've been talking quite a bit, but literally in the North Pole shooting this show, uh, talking to him a few nights ago, and he's like, yeah, there's polar bears. I'm looking at the northern lights, and I'm like, uh, Dennis, go inside, please. It's the, north, yeah, the northernmost city in the world, and he said it's literally the population of the town is 1,000 people with 3,000 polar bears. Oh, my <laughs> He's not gosh. kidding. I was like, are y'all packing heat? And, he goes, everybody's and packing heat. By the way, here. I thought we did pretty good uh, calmly because we, we've got him. Uh, but uh, all morning leading up to about a half hour ago, all the phone lines were, they would ring and you get this weird Scandinavian, like something's wrong with the phone line message. And so we've been fixing that. And it's fixed. Yeah. So Dennis <laughs> is on the other so side. So we have our first guest from the North Pole. We also have our first guest that could be eaten by a polar bear <laughs> during the interview. And what's amazing about Dennis is, first of all, this, I think, is his career performance. Do you think he feels that way? I, I think he, he, this performance is so unique in his body of work. Yeah, I mean, I can't speak for him, but he... He's proud of it, He's man. so it's proud really of it. Good. He's so... Uh, he loves the film. We're, we, it's like we're a family. We really... Uh, 
responded, and he really connected to his faith roots, and in fact wrote a song he recorded for T Bone with T Bone Marmet uh, on the set of Imagine, and played it for Bart the first time. And it's amazing what yeah. what what's happening in his life because yeah, and his story is almost the exact opposite of Bart's. And yet there is this weird connection. We go to the bears in the wilderness (laughs) next. Glenn Beck, Mercury. is the Glenn Beck program joined by uh, Bart Millard and John Irwin and uh, now Dennis Quaid uh, from the film I can only imagine uh, which is a remarkable film Uh, and Dennis Quaid plays uh, Bart's dad Uh, it's a true story and uh, his his father was um, in a line describe your dad Uh, he was just the scariest man I knew just really abusive and no, no substance abuse, nothing like that. He just, he's just an angry person. How close was Dennis in the role? How close was he to your dad? Uh, you know, it, frighteningly close for, you know, I remember when I went in, I, I got there when he started shooting his scenes and I got in late and the first scene I saw was when my dad was diagnosed with cancer and without ever having a conversation with me, there was just parts of him that kind of creeped me out, like how close they were. And then, then after he was like, Hey, your dad's not here so you're my guy like you've got to tell me how this is and and uh yeah yeah i don't know i don't know if it was he was that accurate or it was just something about it it was i knew we were onto something because there were some there were some some painful moments that i was like okay i'm feeling what i haven't felt in years and so we're on to something here we're waiting for dennis quaid to uh pick up the phone and get away from the polar bears he is he is there now he's he's at the, at the north pole of all places dennis are you there hello dennis he was there okay he was there is he there sarah tell me what's what's happening we just okay did a polar bear eat dennis Quaid? Yeah, yeah. oh my gosh it's happened I, you know in a world of is you know it's technology that is so incredible you're kind of like we can't get a line from yeah, the north pole yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah really why can we not yeah. talk to the north pole right <laughs> you know, what's you, interesting i if you've seen the show it's fortitude on amazon i get mm-hmm. cold just watching it i'm like why are you doing this show why not know, do a hawaiian have, show they, they have you know? green screens yeah, yeah yeah he's like he was excited about it he's like uh yeah we're going to the farther north the most the northernmost city that you can possibly travel to as a human being i'm like and you're smiling right now dennis why he calls the other day and he was like it's 30 below and it was midnight his time he's like hold on let me go outside and get better signal and i was like don't do that (laughs) yeah 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 it's what is the uh what's the animal that luke has to open up or uh, oh the tauntaun if he's sleeping in a tauntaun let me know an average of 20 below but the film actually did an amazing thing you know he he had written a song for his mom uh, 25 years ago called on my way to heaven never finished it a, an old-fashioned gospel because she's very devout and uh and he got to the set and just reconnected with his baptist roots he was baptized at nine years old with his brother randy on the same day and uh kind of just it all stirred in him finished the song played it for bart uh for the first time and uh um 
And I, I guess Bart was probably a little nervous, like, uh, what do you say to Dennis Quaid if it's bad? I know. Yeah, it's actually, see? See? See what yeah. happens? See what happens? Like, <laughs> That's uh, what I felt like uh, with the movie. What do you do? But then, uh, so it was really good, and he got with his uh, friend and producer, of legend, T-Bone Burnett, recorded it. Oh, we wow. just did a music video to it, and we're going to launch that next week. And uh, and he gave it to his mom on his ninety first, on, on her 91st birthday. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really had, good. He, it's, it's incredible. And I don't know if we can get him on the phone. How are we doing, Sarah? Okay. Call Santa. See if he can help. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, uh, uh, what, what's amazing is uh, he had the, kind of the opposite dad. Yeah. His dad, your dad was, you know, dreams are dead and get a real job. And Dennis, his dad, if I'm not mistaken, was uh, wanted to be an actor and uh, studied to be an actor and then was shipped off to war, mm. came back, never pursued it and always regretted it and said, do it, mm-hmm. do it, do it, do it. Yeah. Yeah. And they did. In fact, uh, Andy, my brother was in New York and uh, there was a theater they played in it was a, a play. He and his brother kind of launched that Gary Sinise, really great friend, uh, was the director of it. And, and uh, you know, so they started very early. Dennis Quay's first movie was in 1976 he was an extra. Cloris Leachman was Hang the star. On. We have him. Yeah, Cloris Leachman was in this, in this movie too. Uh, Dennis, are you there? Hey, Glenn. Hey, <laughs> we have contact. You have not been eaten by a polar bear. No, I'm 12 degrees from the North Pole. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, first of all, Dennis, I, I I watched the movie. I think earlier this week or late last week. Uh, and I think this is the the performance of your career. You you were fantastic oh, in you. this, really good. Thank you, thank you. It's it's such a great inspiring story to begin with, and uh, the way I choose my movies is that I read them, you know. And uh, that's the first, only time I'm going to have a first time experience like an audience audience member. And uh, I was just it touched me in a place where I had no words. I just had to do it. Your your life, we were just talking about it, is in strange ways parallel. You were writing a song about your mom. This story is about a song about a dad. And Bart's dad was a monster, and your dad seems to be the exact opposite in encouraging you to yeah. to follow your dreams. Yeah, my dad was... Uh, yeah, uh, my dad probably got knocked around a bit when he was a kid, you know, like uh, kids in the 20s did. His dad wasn't there a lot, and uh, but um, uh, he was a, he was encouraged us. He turned both my brother and I on to acting, and was uh, always doing comedy skits around the house, and you know, kind of rubbed off on us. I think. <laughs> and his dad, um, who I play in the film, you know, um, Bart himself called him a monster, and basically that's what he was. You know. Uh, People who abuse, they're usually were abused themselves. And uh, I don't really know that story. You know, that can come from several places. But he was a, a pretty bitter man that you know, really took it out on uh, his son. Were you, con- were you concerned at all about, I mean, you know, when you look at faith films, uh, there's a couple of things that could go through your mind that it could be really, really cheesy. Uh, or uh, I could be, you know, marked uh, as somebody who is, you know, in these faith films. Did any of that concern you at all when when uh, the Irwin brothers contacted you? 
Well, first off, any movie, whether it's a faith film or, you know, uh, a stupid, dumb comedy can be cheesy. Uh, that doesn't have to be a faith film. Yeah. And uh, you can get marked by making a bad movie. Um, or if you make too many of them, let's put it that way. <laughs> but, uh, I, I, I don't care. To me, they are films for the underserved. I'm sorry, they're films for... The underserved. Okay, yeah. There's an audience in this country that has always been there that that don't want movies, inspirational films, or films that make them think, films that they relate to, and uh, that there hasn't been... uh, uh, They haven't been serving that market. And uh, I think that's the reason there's such a groundswell for it. We're talking to uh, Dennis Quaid. You're you're up in the North Pole. You're you're shooting for Fortitude, right? Yeah, yeah. A series that I'm doing for uh, Amazon in the states it originated in uh, England, the Sky <laughs> Atlantic. Yeah. It's about a a strange little town up north it's the northernmost town in the world actually yeah and and you and, uh, kn- you know they can recreate that without having to go to the north pole right? <laughs> <laughs> we tried we tried for two seasons in iceland to recreate it <laughs> could quite get there <laughs> so it, it, just real quick there are there are uh, 3 to 1 man to human or man to polar bear re- relationship there's that's what they said they said it was three thousand polar bears and thousand human beings, mm-hmm. and uh, but I think the, the human beings have caught up. <laughs> <laughs> really, there's 150 Thai people here. Uh, several people from uh, the Philippines, from uh, Eastern Europe. People come here to get a job. It reminds me of maybe when the railroads were being built in mm. the United States in the 1870s. Yeah, but wasn't there some wasn't there some place about a visa? It's it's an interesting place. Wasn't there some place to go when they built those railroads in America? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a big ocean out there. <laughs> um, Dennis, tell me about the song that you finished writing about your mom that uh, you were inspired to to finish because of this movie. I, I yeah, I grew up in music all my life and. Uh, I really loved um, a lot of the old gospel songs, um, and uh, I wrote this song called "On My Way to Heaven" with that in mind about 25 years ago. I wrote it for my mom, and uh, I even played it for her at the time. Uh, but it never was quite finished. I never recorded it, and I never played it in public. I, something was missing. Let's put it that way, and. Uh, Along comes, uh, I can only imagine the movie and uh, what it was about. You know, it was about a, a guy who, it's about, it's about his father. And, uh, you know, people uh, picked it up as the biggest uh, faith song or Christian song ever recorded, you know, about his dad. And um, I don't know, it kind of inspired me. While I was on the set, all of a sudden the bridge came to me. <laughs> Which is, you know, the last thing missing from the song, which was the bridge, and which actually makes the song. And uh, I played it for Bart, and uh, 
who thought I should record it. And we didn't quite make uh, getting it in the film itself, but um, T-Bone uh, Burnett uh, produced it for me. Unbelievable. Who had been a good friend of mine for a while. Yeah. It was like a, a lot of things came together uh, making this film in a very mad, very incredible way. And then, um, so I finished it about uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and, uh, and they made a music video of it. And we recorded it at... Uh, Oh, we played it at Ryman Auditorium the other night with, uh, along with Bart. We opened it for Bart and his band, Mercy Me. Huh. And uh, now it's going to be out there. Well, it's uh, it's <laughs> fant- it's fantastic, and I really um, I wanted to uh, ask you to come on the program and not only promote the film uh, because I thought it was really good, but uh, just to really honestly tell you, I I, I was. You know, I, I, I love your I love your movies. And quite honestly, we had a discussion earlier today. We're a little pissed that there was an inner, inner space, too. But um, <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, uh, you're just your performance is is really good. Oscar Oscar worthy. Really good. So congratulations. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. But I've already you know, really I've been really good me that really long. You got my reward. The only reward I ever get. Uh, with acting or any kind of endeavor is while I'm doing it and uh, work with those people and be on that set. And, uh, you know, I really learned a lot about myself and uh, I got to witness the faith of uh, the people that I was working with who were making this film. And Bart's father, in a way, uh, you know, he turned his life completely around. And, uh, you know, first through grace and you could, it, well, he got cancer and you could call it a death row, uh, conversion, but it happened and it was real. And, uh, he and Bart had the most beautiful relationship that you could possibly have at the end of his life. And the gift he did Bart is that Bart did not have to carry that around for the rest of his life. It's a great gift. And then Bart wrote this beautiful song that affected so many people. And strengthen their faith as well. Dennis Quaid from the North Pole. Next time we speak, I'm I'm expecting you to be on uh, Mount Everest. Uh, well, thank- I'd like to be there in person with you, man. <laughs> I, I would I would love it. You're welcome anytime, Dennis Quaid. Thank you so much, sir. Thank Appreciate you. it. You bet. The name of the movie is I Can Only Imagine, and it is open right now. It is already. If I can just get the stats that they they just released, it's the number one ticket movie uh, or movie ticket online already this morning on MovieTickets.com and Fandango. It is already they were expecting it to make two million dollars on its opening weekend. As of six o'clock this morning, it already had made two point three million dollars. Uh, that's more than the total estimate for the entire weekend. Uh, and it is receiving rave reviews, including mine. I can only imagine uh, the story of Bart Millard. John, congratulations. Yeah, <laughs> what a great weekend. weekend. We're, we're all in a state of shock yeah. and appreciate the friendship, man. You bet. Thank you. Bart, good job. <laughs> yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you so much. God bless. All right. If you want your home sold on time and for the most amount of money with all, all, all sorts of excuses... Uh, you need realestateagentsitrust.com. You need somebody who's going to get the job done, somebody that is uh, somebody that has the right marketing plan. You know, the one thing that I've learned about uh, real estate 
is your real estate agent has to have a good marketing plan. They have to be able to market and, and constantly having people coming through, uh, at least on their website or, or coming through the houses, because the more people that are seeing their houses and seeing this, the, the faster you end up selling your house. Over a thousand agents all over America who are just like you, their bond is their word, they have principles, they're, they're fans of the show, they share your same sensibilities. Our agents fully vet them, uh, and we, we choose them for their knowledge, their skill, and their track record. Thousands of families have already put realestateagentsitrust.com to the test, and the, re- the results are uh, remarkable. They are selling houses faster and for the most amount of money, which is what you want. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Whether you're buying or selling your house, realestateagentsitrust.com. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. Uh, you know, since we're here in the Hollywood thing here, Matt Damon has announced that he is moving to Australia because of Donald Trump. Yeah, I, you give him a little credit for I, this? I, I do. I, if he actually goes through with it, he's the first celebrity uh, he's who's the promised this. First one. None yeah. of them have delivered. No. He's the first one. Congratulations to Matt Damon. You're nuts, but congratulations for moving over there. And uh, just a message to Australia, you can keep him. (laughs) So you're aware. Have a safe weekend. God bless. Glenn Beck. Mercury.